one. Yo, 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 what's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to yet again another fantastic indie creator interview. It is your Cape Crusader, Cody, and we are keeping it geekly with our returning guest, Edwin. Welcome back, my friend. How are you doing? And we are keeping it sexually seductive. You already know, bro. Edwin here, back, keeping it geekly champion, defending the title. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. And uh, uh, for everyone that is, uh, they're, they're hearing that part, they're like, what is going on? Uh, the uh, part of you singing that part is going to be edited out. So you guys missed a fantastic <laughs> intro. Uh, Ichthus, I hear you loud, clear, and seductive. Mm, thank you so much. Edwin, dude, what is up? How have you been? It's been quite some time since you've been on. Uh, about 80 episodes, man. How have you been since then? 80 episodes indeed, bro. It's been uh, quite the journey for both of us, man. You've been growing. I've been growing. I'm having a blast. I know you are. And I just can't believe in like three, four months since our last one, you've already done 80. It's crazy. Dude, you had a kid. <laughs> and I had a kid. Yeah. You had a whole kid since we last chat. Yeah, man. I got a, a wall of diapers over here. If you would look to my left, it's crazy. Dude, it's like empowering too because you have like a stack of diapers. And it's so weird because like previously, like you never would have thought about it. But like when you have a kid, you're like, this is money right here. Like this, like this is luxury having this much. Cause I'll tell you that the moment you run out of diapers and you're like, oh crap, like I need to run to the store right now. Like that is a nightmare. Yeah, no, thank God uh, that baby shower, we got hooked up. I'm telling you, I got like cases of the stuff here. <laughs> uh, Ick this uh, over on YouTube, stopping to say uh, congratulations, Edwin as well. So thank you, thank you. how did your Kickstarter go? Give us some, give us the juice on that. You had project we love, congratulations on that again. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, awesome, even better than the first one. We funded in I think two weeks or so, maybe a little less, but yeah, we did. 3,600, I believe, beat the when, first uh, one also. So when was our interview? Like, was that like in the beginning, in the middle? It was the beginning. I hadn't beginning. funded yet, but I was like close. I was like three quarters, maybe somewhere around there. So g give me like a recap of how you felt that campaign. Were you sweaty at all? Like, was it nerve wracking? You know, how did, how did that campaign end up going for you? And how did you feel during it? I mean, I think everyone, when you first start a Kickstarter, it's pretty nerve wracking. You never know how it's going to go. But once we started getting going, like, you know, the first couple of days, I was like, hey, we're getting pretty far. Like, I can't remember exactly, but I think by day three or four, we were already halfway. Not going to get cocky yet, but I was like, oh, this is a thousand times better than the first one. You know, I can breathe a little easier, yeah. right? Because the first one we funded, like, I think it was the last three or four days, you know? But yeah, when you when you fund like halfway, you're like, hey, we're getting somewhere, you know? And I'm not going to say like I could breathe easily. I, I mean, I definitely could, but there was still work to be done, you know, and see how much you can make even once you're funded. You got to just keep going. No, absolutely. And how did uh, the, the fulfillment process go for you? Like, how was that for you? I'm still on that. Uh, digitally, I just sent out the comics to all the backers. Physically, I'm waiting for my proof to come in. And once that comes in, all those Kickstarter people, they already know how it's going to be bagging and boarding the comics, sticking yeah. in those stickers and stuff taking like five trips to the post office i can't wait <laughs> how many uh backers do you end up getting overall uh i think the exact number is 128 don't know Ooh. how many physical there are but yeah i think 128 uh what was your first campaign like uh i think it was i don't know the exact number but i think it was 100 like about 100 somewhere around that number cool so you did about 30 more and a lot of people say that second issue is the harder one because a lot of people you know they support your first one just because they're your friends and family so that second one you're truly earning that support you know because like they're not going to come around that second time so what are some That's of the exactly things you did to, to market this time around 
Yeah, and I was exactly gonna say that. Like the first Kickstarter, like so much family and friends show up for the second one, like half of that dropped off. You know, it's like you already got your thing out there. But no, the second one, uh, I kind of kept the same tactics. Just stay in the indie community, support each other, always be promoting your work. And I'm a big firm believer of let the work show itself. I think people, when they see the art or when they've read the first book, they're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, I definitely want to support the next one, you know? Mm-hmm. And speaking of that, you actually, you had uh, someone on your creative team pass away during this, uh, during the process too. Yeah, unfortunately, you know, uh, rest in peace to Diego. We dedicated the second issue to him, but like, I was just mind blown when I heard the news. Like, you're literally working with someone, half the book is done and then the last thing we spoke like he was like oh i need two weeks to work on this because i'm working on something for marvel and i was like okay cool i understand like a little bit before those two weeks were up i get a message from elton my anchor who also knows him he told me the news and i was like mind blown like devastated i was like wow i can't believe that like we were just talking we've been working on this just one of those things where of course it could always happen but you don't think it's going to happen yeah so i mean what did you guys do after that i mean because you you had to keep the, the show going unfortunately right you couldn't exactly take time to mourn so like how'd you end up finding your, your next artist yeah I mean it took a few days like I didn't really know what to do I was like you know the the, the, the colors are so rich and visual like you can't just go with anyone like you can't just change the art style completely in my opinion so I was like I gotta find someone that's similar enough luckily Elton like he knows a bunch of people he actually recommended uh, the new colorist his name is Gabriel Fun fact, Gabriel worked under Diego. So I was like, oh, wow, this is perfect. Like, he's already worked with him. He has yeah. a similar style. So, yeah, he fit in fine. That was almost like a perfect tribute, too, right? Like, having the person underneath him, like, yeah. fulfilling the 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 role. That it, like, the know, princess steps up. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, such an unfortunate and, and sad uh, circumstance. But at least, you know, it, the way it worked out, it just seemed like it was meant to be. You know, have, having the person underneath him. Like, I didn't know that part. So that, that at least seems like you know it was a nice aspect to uh, something that was rather unfortunate uh how long did it end up pushing you back overall um not long at all if anything it kind of sped up the process because again i love diego rest in peace he was so talented but working with marvel dc you have to work with his schedule you know like yeah obviously yeah. they come first so sometimes you know like i said earlier it he was like give me two weeks before i can produce the next set of pages okay i can work with that but you know now with gabriel like he doesn't have those ties so mm -hmm. he's like this like this i gotcha yeah. so it's with with all that behind us let's go ahead let's get a nice little recap of our zero so what is our first initial introduction to to your comic book series uh the introduction as in like a synopsis or like literally the first thing we see uh well, well just like our first like step into uh lost between worlds hour zero like what what that issue is about like the as much as you want to spoil as possible well it's free so let's spoil the whole thing because if anything you can just go read it right after this uh basically it's about a grim reaper named gwen who uh she's not the only grim reaper but they have a job of collecting the souls of the dead taking them to the afterlife so they can be judged and placed accordingly but uh, this one particular day, Gwen is tasked with the mission of collecting someone who claims to be dissociative identity disorder. She's there to collect the soul of someone named Verda. But the dude says, like, hey, my name is Dospe. The guy mm -hmm. you're looking for is not in control. So, like, you can't take my soul. I'm not the one who's fated to die. And she's like, huh, are you trying to, like, cheat that fear? You're trying to find a loophole here? Like, I don't know really what to do with this. I've never had this situation come up. So she goes home and asks her dad, who's her boss for like help on this like how do i approach the situation 
she hears about more than she asked for. She hears about an impending apocalypse. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much where we leave off on issue one. We begin right there from issue two. And issue, issue two was such a good read. I was so excited to, to get a chance, you know, because I, I had the opportunity to read it earlier, but I always read it the day of just so that way it's like still fresh in my mind and everything. And it just seemed like it was so insane. What was some of your influences for it? I mean, we're going to be diving into it off after this but like you know uh, going into issue two like what influences can we see honestly the influence for issue two is kind of like the overall influence of the whole series i kind of got a lot of influences from mythologies different sources so a big thing that we'll talk about is uh ragnarok we hear that that's kind of like what the apocalypse is going to be and mm -hmm. that stems from norse mythology so i would say if anything norse mythology and the aztec uh, mythology is what really plays in on issue two and it's it's different than the Thor Ragnarok. Thor Ragnarok is basically like the reset of Asgard, and, and the Ragnarok in this series is is the reset of the world. Yeah, exactly. So what went into what went into that though? I mean, uh, resetting the whole entire world, and uh, like, I don't know if you want to talk about what else we see happening, but there is see we we get introduced to a rather like vicious like vicious outbreak uh that that happens and it, it's it really starts turning the pace fast i mean that was a really interesting thing to kind of have happen in issue two because like we didn't have any trace of that in issue one yeah see like uh this might have been the wrong approach but i kind of approached it i feel like this is just good storytelling really if anything mm -hmm. you got to set up the world set up the concept set up the characters like get really get people really hooked right so that's what the first issue is where I say maybe it might have been the wrong way to go about it is because obviously there's months in between the issues, right? So for me, it was like issue one is the setup. Issue two is now where the meat and potatoes of the story lies. Like this is what's really what it's really about, you know? So I can see how some readers might read the first one and be like, okay, that was kind of cool. But like, what, what, what is this really about, you know? So that's where mm -hmm. the second one comes into play. And yeah, we went hard with the, the whole zombies. Yeah, yeah it we'll was like... about it, Ragnarok it, and stuff. It was like you, you up, at, up at base and just hit a home run with... I'm like, wow, this like got intense, like zero to 60 quick. Yeah, you know, like I said, we're, we're hitting the meat and potatoes of things. And Gwen, so she, she's on. like just one bad lad i i you know i i, I was gonna cuss but i was like you know that we'll, we'll keep it family friendly this time we both got kids listening on this we'll keep it family friendly <laughs> so uh, she's one bad ba bam one bad mama jam yes and uh she's taking heads off left and right i mean we, we we got to see her a little in action previously um but it was it wasn't anything of this graphic nature she's like there's heads are rolling it's funny you say that because yeah that's a song in one of the characters playlists but yeah no she she's all about <laughs> it bro she the, the way i view her it's like uh i'm not gonna say she's like a violent character but like yo let's get the job done you yeah. know so she's all about it so what are you hoping readers are feeling when they read issue two compared to issue one i kind of want them to you know enjoy the action of course but i want them to really like get into the headspace of what the situation is i I always view things from like the, the character's mindset. So I really hope people put themselves in a character's mindset, you know, see why people do this, say that, see why the story's flowing this way. But really it's all about like just understanding like the core concepts of what Lost Between Worlds is gonna be. So when you were scripting out um, issue two compared to issue one, what did you do anything like differently? Like, did you learn, you know, when you did ish, uh, the script for issue one, did you do learn anything differently from that uh, and take that experience to make issue two different? 
I would say it wasn't necessarily in the process of writing, but maybe just some like feedback. Mm -hmm. uh, most of the feedback was really good. One particular piece of feedback I got was, and I don't necessarily agree with it because it just kind of falls in line with the characters, was uh, that all the characters speak too politely. Like everyone sounds the same, I guess is what they were trying to say. Uh, I feel like that's going to change as more characters get introduced. But, you know, I'm trying to like the characters are not entirely regal, but they're well mannered. You know, they're not like your average guy who's just cursing, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like they're they're professional. So that's why they speak politely and stuff. But things like that, just little feedbacks here and there. So what type of uh, different personalities and dialogue can we expect? So, for example, uh, issue two, we get... Uh, Miklon, who is the king of the underworld. When you first see him, you think he's like a scary dude. Like, I've gotten that feedback a lot. Like, oh, that guy looks scary. But then when you actually read the issue, you find out like, oh, he's just like a big lovable oaf. As long as you're on his good side, you know? So that's a bit different. Um, we also have his wife, McDecca. She, uh, I kind of like, in a funny way, imagine her as like a day drinker, you know? She's just always drinking <laughs> out in the sun. But I, the reason why she's like that is though, because uh, her real, like what she's based on, she's in charge of partying like uh she's the she's the goddess of the day of the dead festivals and stuff oh my gosh, that's yeah. really what she is she loves to party so yeah i kind of you know for a kind of humorous character portrayed her that way and then uh issue three we're gonna go even more different with the kids i don't want to spoil too much but yeah the kids will be the whole other beast okay all right so i i enough talking about it. let's go ahead let's pull up uh our one and, and take a more in-depth look i had a chance to read it so it, it's, it'll be cool to kind of get my opinion mixed with what you like intended you know I, I i love doing that with the creator yeah like that cover right there it's an amazing cover but i remember at a con when i was selling prints of it someone was like oh that looks so cool and yet so scary like i don't know if i want to read it <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what do you what do you do to combat that I just told him like, uh, well, you know, it's the, the looks is definitely scary, but I told him straight up like, nah, he's just a lovable oaf, you know, can't mm -hmm. judge a book by its cover and literally and figuratively. All right. So we are good. I wanted to make sure it was all like properly stretched out. So we are looking at Lost Between Worlds, our one. Uh, so what are we seeing on the cover right here? You know, this is a this is a pretty intimidating looking dude. Yeah, that's Miklon. Uh, something I like to do with my covers is uh, I like to like kind of capture something that you don't see in the book, mm -hmm. but you can you can like tell that that would be something that would happen in their life. Like this one's kind of simple, you know, he's just sitting at his throne. But for example, the alternate cover is him like dancing with his wife in a ballroom. Doesn't happen in the story, but like once you read the issue, you can kind of tell like these are the kind of characters that are just deeply in love with each other. They love to dance and party. So I like snapshotting things like that. Yeah, and I, I love just like, you know, behind him is, is a whole wall of skulls, uh, you know, the glowing eye. Uh, yeah, he is a very formidable looking looking dude. So right here is the credit to the creative team. So yeah, you want to go ahead and give a shout out to everyone involved? Yeah, of course. Obviously, keep, keeping a geekly champion, Edwin, writer and creative, <laughs> Lost Between Worlds. Uh, I've already talked enough about myself, so we'll skip me. We got Elton. Elton's amazing. Elton is, helps me design the characters. He helps me ink the comic. I, of course, tell him like how I want the panels to look, but you know mm -hmm. how the writer and artist uh, collaboration is. Sometimes he'll come up with his own idea or like tweak it and, you know, hey, we meet down in the middle sometimes. We got the Q Method who provided the cover. He doesn't have a Twitter, but he has an Instagram. Does amazing work, if you can tell by that cover. 
um mac he didn't really return for this issue but you got to give him credit for helping me design gwen and stuff i think i'm just going to throw him in there for every book um reed is the letterer reed is again another big help yeah, he, he is everywhere yeah that guy's another hard worker like i don't even know how sometimes he has the time to work on my stuff <laughs> but yeah reed's <laughs> amazing and then on colors we got diego and gabriel again r.i.p diego we uh dedicated the issue to him and Gabriel, thank you for stepping up, joining the team. And there was kind of like Mac also. She helped me design the Banshee, so I'm always going to, you know, throw her a bone in the books mm -hmm. too for credits. And then here's a little recap. So Gwen uh, is one of many Reapers tasked with the job of collecting souls of the dead on a daily basis. One day she gets tasked with someone who claims to have disassociative identity disorder and when faced with the dilemma should she take a soul or not based on which persona is in control, she decides to go home and ask her father for some advice. Given more info than she came for, she hears about some kind of impending apocalypse that the Reapers will have to deal with as if she didn't already have enough on her plate. Look, I'm starting to get that reading voice down too. Look at me go. Gonna be doing audiobooks soon. Mm, soon. So issue two, hour one is dedicated to Diego, who uh, died, uh, sadly died, passed away uh, while working on this issue. It's also dedicated to your daughter too. So congratulations once again. Yeah, thank you. You know, I can't wait till like she's older and she reads that. And who knows, Lost Between Worlds might be the the, the series that built her house one day. <laughs> yeah, that would be so cool. That would be awesome. So we start this issue action packed. So Gwen comes in and there's just blood and disarray and mayhem everywhere. At first, when I went when I read this, I thought uh, our, our our man uh, Dosby. Did I say that right? Oh. Dospe, yeah. Dospe? I thought he, like, slaughtered him, you know? I got, I was left with that impression. You're uh, not the we, only one. Someone yeah. else told me the same thing. They were like, oh, I knew I had something, like, against that Dospe guy. He seemed suspicious, and yeah. And then we see her, you know, she's trying to collect souls, but she finds out that she can. So that's a really interesting thing uh, that we noticed right off the rip. Uh, so what was some of your inspiration for starting off this, like, grotesque? Uh, so again, like, I just... If I can, I want to try and start like right away from the end of the last one because mm -hmm. again, these are supposed to take place in an hour. So the very last shot of, uh, well, not counting the shot of her dad, is her, you know, naming her scythe and the smoke is swirling around her like she's about to warp back on Earth, right? So yeah. panel one, here we go. She's back on Earth, back at the bar, and she's like, what the hell happened here? And yeah, I just wanted to like kind of put the viewer in a, like the same state of mind, like, whoa, she just came back to all this, what just happened? And then, you know, she's noticing the gall is not working. So mm -hmm. she's kind of chaotic and frenetic at first. Well, I mean, cause the, even issue one, it, it was not even this close to being this bloody. So it seems like it was two different, like, like opposites almost. Yeah, again, I just, I just wanted to hit the reader hard, but I will say it kind of caused a slight problem. Cause as I, as I sold the first issue, besides like, I think one cuss word, I was able to somewhat sell it to parents who not necessarily asked me if it was okay for their kids to read it, but the kid wanted it and the mm -hmm. parents were like, oh yeah, sure, you can have it. I was thinking to myself, is it appropriate? I mean, it only has a cuss word. Kids hear that crap all the time. Yeah. But now, now when we're starting to get gorier, I'm like, I don't know if I can get away with it anymore. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely maybe like 13, 14. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I read some pretty messed up stuff when I was a kid, so I don't, I don't know. I'm Same not the here. best. I've been uh, watching like horror since I was five or six, so I'm yeah. not the best either. But now being a dad, you know, you want to try and set the example. But I will say, like, I would say teen is good. Like, I'm not mm -hmm. trying to have nudity or anything like that, but there's some gore. So we see uh, that she's wondering where Dose Bay is as well. So she pulls out 
Uh, this is uh, her uh, tracker, right? Yeah, her Banshee. So can you give us a little explanation of what the Banshee is again? Like what we can expect from this device? So the Banshee is like a multi-tool for uh, Grim Reapers. Uh, the look of it is somewhat inspired by, uh, inspired by the Dragon Ball radar, but it's also supposed to just resemble kind of like a pocket watch or a compass. Um, but it also has like ties and inspiration to Bleach. If anyone's watched Bleach, you know how they'll pull out their phone and that lets mm -hmm. them know where like the hollows are and stuff. So it's just kind of inspired by that. Like the Banshee's supposed to shriek like a Banshee when she has a mission. And then it lets you know who your target is. That's how she warps from place to place. So a very functional tool. And right off the rip, she's, she's you know, quick to say, whoever did that to the poor guy outside better not laid a finger on my target. So she she's more interested in like getting this dude sold than him even like surviving this. Yeah, we, she's professional. She's got a job to get done. <laughs> Uh, we scroll down and notice that he's like barricaded the door uh, and she she acknowledges does he really think a simple lock can keep me out and uh, of course not because she has all these uh, weapons at her disposal including this huge scythe <laughs> yeah the if you notice how uh, like she summons it with like a puff of smoke or whatever total mm -hmm. uh, kingdom hearts inspiration there yeah I like that too that is really awesome so we see that she finds him and uh, he's hiding in the closet, and uh, this was some really ex. Uh, I, th I thought those were some really uh, interesting dialogue between the two. You know what I mean? Like him flipping out, armed with a knife. Like that wasn't me, and the the, the shrieking right here. Uh, so, what was uh, some of your direction and uh, inspiration for for this scene in particular? Uh, for their whole dynamic in general, I kind of want them to kind of have like a frenemies dynamic in a way where they. They're not friends, but they know they sort of are in this in a way together. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll, we'll dive into that more. But yeah, they, they, they kind of have that like teasing each other, poking and prodding. Yeah. You, you, you know I'm going to take your soul by the end of this, right? Like that kind of weird friendship relationship. Yeah. Man, I don't, I don't know what type of friends you had growing up, but I don't think I've ever, ever had one who's like, I'm going to take me your soul, man. <laughs> I, I will say I didn't have those kinds of friends, but I did grow up in like the jackass era. So yeah, my friends were pretty douchebag. You know, that was so fun though. Like jumping off the roof with your friends in some bushes just so you can get it on tape. Like I remember those days. Dude, I got plenty of stories that one day I'll just, you know, maybe for like my 2000 follower special or something. I'll like just, I have crazy stories enough that like, I feel like I could make one day like one of those comedy frat boy college movies mm -hmm. like it's ridiculous so right here is another interesting scene too we see gwen pulling out her uh her scythe this was really interesting too because uh, we see it happen again the way uh she pulls it out of uh, out of the air like that so you said inspiration was from kingdom hearts yeah because you know with an outfit like that like you can't strap that anywhere and i don't want her yeah. to like always be carrying it so you know i kind of mcguffined it and i used the kingdom hearts inspiration where she can just summon it but i mean the banshee already teleports her so yeah like the technology or te the magic whatever you want to call it is there already so yeah she's you know i think i found the culprit the question is what is it so she doesn't know that it's a zombie like is there this is her like her first uh, introduction to zombies yeah, Grim Reapers, you know, their job is to collect souls of the dead, but they're dead. <laughs> They've never faced the undead. Like, this is new to them. So what, you know, what is this? Is it capable of causing others to turn into zombies? Like, what can we expect from these creatures? See, I want to be different. I don't want to be 
again, zombies are sort of, if anything, not the main focus. They're definitely going to be an enemy, you know, but they're not the main focus. So I want them to be a threat, but I don't I don't want to go the whole like zombie plague, like uh, yeah. they're spreading more. If anything, they're just eating people and they're just dying. But we don't know what's happening to the souls, as we'll find out later in the issue. And this is where she starts be beheading people left and right. Uh, I, I love it too. Uh, the the expression on his his face when it gets chopped off is just great. So yeah, right here. This is this what you're referring to? Uh, are the dead rising? So what this was this a dead rising reference? No, but I will say not to retract my statement. Again, it's not really a plague, but as I've mentioned, they don't know what's happening with the souls. But for mm -hmm. some reason, reason bodies are rising. But it's not a plague. But yeah, uh, not really a reference in anything there. So we noticed that uh, our, our other uh, sidekick over here is starting to get overran. And Gwen is just, uh, she is a, 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 a bad mama jamma. What, what did you call it earlier? <laughs> bad mama jamma. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I heard that somewhere. It's like one of those old ass things. Yeah, I felt insane. I was like, are, are we in the 70s right now? <laughs> hey, you said we're keeping it family friendly, right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this is you know they start getting. So where did these guys come from? You know, isn't this bar like uh, supposed to be like the in between? No, the bar is actually on Earth. And okay, all yes, guys that's, are right, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's <laughs> right. Yeah, those are all backer cameos. Um, most of them were from Friends, but not all of them. And then yeah, there's gonna be even more cameos in the next issue. So that is, yeah, that's awesome. So these are people who uh, who uh, got that tier to to star into the comic. Yep. Awesome. Uh, what the my friend who gets his head like exploded over there he loves it he was like awesome <laughs> oh right here yeah that's awesome uh, that's why yeah. i was like yo the cameos here man not you don't get to just become a zombie you also get to like get destroyed by gwen mm -hmm. so it's a big perk i love this too like three at once the way she swoops him up and then and, and beheads him in one one fell swoop and then we yeah. see the the other end of the the scythe is pretty interesting too this almost seems like a um a scorpion tribute uh yeah it's a kunai with chain basically i just wanted to i don't want to get super ridiculous with powers but i do want to make all the grim reapers because you know there's going to be more uh mm -hmm. i want all their sides to be unique so hers has the kunai and chain at the end i don't want to spoil other people's i guess actually i can spoil one character because it's in her design but if you look at sienna's character design mm -hmm. her her scythe has like a string like at the bottom end because it's also a bow. Ooh, okay. Yeah. And then, uh, so after she like dismembers all these people, you know, I ask you again, what happened while I was gone? And then we kind of get the, uh, the the breakdown of what happened that, you know, he was using the bathroom, everything was cool. And then these guys just come out of nowhere and just start attacking the bartender, the waitress. Yeah, the waitress tries to help. He, of course, runs to get weapons, he says, but then hides in the closet. I thought that was a nice touch for his character. <laughs> I was yeah. like, man, my man is like, he, he's just out to save himself at this point. I mean, when you're facing zombies and then this chick who wants to take your soul, like, I, I kind of feel for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's backed up into a corner. Yeah, and then right here, you still have one on the waiting list. And she's like, oh, so you finally admit that you're a liar. And then we find out right here another part uh, of interesting exposition that uh, he's able like to kind of stay in control and that he's been doing this for a year, for the past few years. So it's not like this is something that he just is able to overcome in like an hour. This is something she might have to wait for a long time. Yeah, so 
again, I haven't really answered fans or readers if, you know, he is lying or not. But if he's telling the truth, then supposedly he's been in control for years. So, like, what's up with the other personality? Yeah, yeah. And if he's in control, isn't that, you know, that strikes an interesting question in itself. Because then at any point he could just switch, he could just let the other person in control. And then, you know, th does that make him lying at that point too? You know, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. Also, you know, if he is telling the truth, like you just said, yeah, he might just be keeping the other person on the down for some reason. We don't know. So, you know, right here, you know, she's just letting him know like this soul's mine, uh, but I need to leave for another five minutes. So this is where we kind of get another interesting part of the story and things like so issue one, like you said, was a nice little world builder and a nice, you know, setting the tone. But this just, it, it's like, it, it's like once the roller coaster, like it, like issue one was the roller coaster going up to the hill. And then issue two was a roller coaster just violently going down the whole entire time. Like it is insane. This entire issue, because this was just like the tip of the iceberg. Like this is like not even the worst that it gets because we find out something far more worse is going to happen here soon. I like that analogy because I was gonna say if issue two is the roller coaster just going down, then issue three is gonna be the loop de loop. <laughs> <laughs> should I stay or should I go? I love that little thrown that that little line thrown in right here too. Yeah, again, I I think I mentioned this in the first episode. Uh, I'm a big fan of like Easter eggs and just mm -hmm. whatever little things fans can find. So me personally, I wanted to throw one in every issue, a song title. Uh, I will see if someone can one day, once the whole series is done, name them all. But yeah, every issue is going to have some song title thrown in there. So what was the song title uh, in the first issue? Uh, Hard Day's Night by Beatles. Gwen says it to Del Spey when they're talking about like, oh, so how's your day? I forget exactly the exact line, but they're talking about how her day's been. And mm -hmm. she's like, oh, it's been a hard day. And I think Del Spey is the one actually who answers her. Hard Day's Night Collecting Souls. And she's like, yep. Yeah, yeah there you go. So that's going to be cool to see that little playlist start to get formed. So we see Gwen, what is this area we're looking at right here? So if you go back to the first issue, when she drops off the band, like the very last shot, you see like in the distance, like a gate, uh, mm -hmm. that's her up close to the gate. And okay. so now we're seeing where technically the souls would go once they're past that gate. So is this supposed to be like overfilled with souls right now? Normally, yes, but like I said, she's gonna find out that something's been happening with these souls. But normally, all the souls would be going in there. And then we're introduced to King uh, Yama as well. So who who's this? Who who's King Yama? Uh, he's like the secretary of the afterlife, uh, influenced kind of by like DBZ. But mm -hmm. he basically is the one who tells you like, hey, you're going to Nirvana, you're going to Miklon, and all this. So yeah, he just guides the souls normally. And then right here, he calls her out for having a weird hobby of people watching. I mean, people watching, you know, people watching is an interesting hobby because people themselves are interesting creatures, right? The way like we interact as like humans in a society is like really in insane at, at some points. Yeah. And just seeing how like everyone's so different and what abilities and talents people have. That's kind of what Gwen is interested in tells her like she she's a lover of arts in a way. So she's like, yeah, humans, they have so many interesting things that they call mm -hmm. art, like music and art and painting and things like that. She's very intrigued by it. And then we see music too, the the infernal racket. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's another thing. Like, 
I might make a reference here and there, but I also just want to, on a meta level, be like, Gwen's such a fan of music that, like, behind the scenes, she's probably shown her, like, friends and all this music mm-hmm. that, you know, that's why, like, he's like, oh, that crap you show me, I hate it. Where, you know, some others might enjoy it. And then we find out that she's going to be sent to Nirvana to check things out, too. Uh, he asks, he's like, are you, is that where you're going? And she's like, yeah, right, dial up a bunch? No, not for me. <laughs> so what is this elevator? It almost gave me, like, the Bifrost uh, feeling. Yeah, that's kind of uh, the intention a little bit. Uh, I wanted it, I guess what I wanted was a bit too much. I wanted it kind of to, to be, like, streaks of light, you know? But I mm-hmm. guess it's more for, like, a movie and animation. So we kind of agreed upon the, like, swirls, you know, on the elevator and, yeah. So is this elevator able to go uh, to anywhere or just certain places in particular? Uh, if you go back like one page where you see the whole building, you'll notice there's two towers. Uh, yeah, that page right there, the two towers. There's supposed to be an elevator for each. I don't think you can see the two elevators, but there's supposed to be one for each. Okay. And funny enough, I didn't want to like, you know, make the underworld one down. Like, why does it have to be down? So I, I chose purposely to have them both up because, you know, in real world, when you think of the underworld, you think of like an evil place. And I'm not saying that the underworld here is like all smiles and stuff, but I'm, I just don't want to paint it as like an evil place. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's, so it sounds like the hell over here has like a union. Okay. Like it's like, it's like a yin and yang. I want to try and have like a balance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I got you. Hey, let me die on this planet, please. Seems like it'd be a nice, a little bit nicer to die. Well, um, as long as you're doing your work, because that's the thing, though. If you're going to if you're going to Miklon, like, yeah, they, they, there's a party vibe there, but you're still working your ass off. There's still penance. I will say I'm getting that. some uh, some Aztec vibes to this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the Aztec world. Miklon and Mixteco, they're inspired by that. So I wanted to make the underworld Miklon, you know, all Aztec-y. And we notice that it's uh it's pretty empty here too. Um, <laughs> are all these steps necessary? It does seem like a lot of this, uh, these buildings always had such a huge amount of, you know, stairs to get up to the top. Yeah, I always found that funny. Like, I guess for the visual, it's nice, but like, you know, that rocky climbing up the steps is ridiculous. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I love right here saying that they're busy and she's like, busy with what? And then it's like, oh, <laughs> drinking. Yeah, like, there's no souls here. What are you doing? <laughs> I love the design on that umbrella. Like, yeah, they did really well on that. Yes, yes. So what was uh, some of the inspirations for this character design? Just all Aztec stuff. I looked up a bunch of different visuals of Miklon and Mixteca, and mm-hmm. I just kind of mixed and matched things that I like, and I told uh, Elton what I wanted, and he just came, kind of came up with his version. Most of the time, honestly, he nails them all usually in one shot. Like, if anything, I might tell him to edit one or two things, but with Mixteca, he got it all in one shot. Like, That's awesome. He painted her a bit pinkish, and that was the only thing I told him. I was like, nah, make her more, like, natural colored." And, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, he got it. So what are we seeing here in the dialogue? We're seeing a lot of, uh, it's, it's a lot of conversation between these two. So what are these two uh, beginning to talk about in these panels? Uh, she's basically kind of starting to ask questions, like, yo, what's going on here? But Mikteka, she's not the one on the business side. That's her husband. So mm-hmm. she's kind of just telling him, like, oh, I'm telling her that I've just been sitting here drinking. Like, there's not really much to do. You're, my husband's been in there doing work. You should go ask him. So basically, that's what they're talking about. She yeah. kind of warns her, like, 
yo, maybe don't drink so much because I don't really know what's going on. Like things might go down here. So you might want to be on your toes. And that's when she kind of like for a second gets serious and she's like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll get things ready for when everyone returns and the mission's done. And yeah, she has that one final line to her guard. <laughs> and then so we see Gwen meet the uh, the other half of the duo. So it's uh, it's interesting that we have him in a library. What was uh, the reasoning to put him surrounded by books? Uh, so... As we'll find out, he's been kind of researching into like what's been going on. Uh, we're literally going to find out about a certain book. So that's what he's doing in the library. Like he knew this book would have some answers he was seeking. And right here we see that it's uh, it's been so long uh, that since they've last seen each other. Um, and uh, we see these two catching up there. It seems like these two are a lot more friendlier than the other two. Yeah, kind of a... Uh wanted to give off the vibe that they've known each other mm -hmm. uh to what extent we don't know yet but uh let's just say down the road there's gonna be a big flashback thing so we see that he's uh giving her a book as well too what is this book about uh it's called the midrash i believe i referenced it in the actual dialogue but uh again inspired by an actual thing and religion and all that uh it's supposed to signify or explain to them like all of ragnarok he even mentions like, oh, your father's never shown you this. Like, this is a, a pretty important book. It has like a lot of history in here. And then right here, uh, the talk of Ragnarok, and she has no idea what it is either. So right here, it's explained Ragnarok's a complete reset of the world and everything and everyone you know would be gone in an instant to start all over again. Yeah, they so, explain it a bit. They basically, uh, in this world, Ragnarok, and actually someone inspired by the real story of Ragnarok. In the, in the real story of Ragnarok, essentially a bunch of gods end up fighting each other and that's what kind of causes Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of, not dumbed it down, but boiled it down to just two supreme gods. Uh, there's one for like Nirvana and one for Miklon. They have names, but they go unnamed here. Uh, basically says that Ragnarok is actually caused from these two gods facing each other. They're in their respective domains for a reason. If they were ever to face each other, you don't want that to happen. Yeah, yeah. So what causes them to, to face each other? Once they start realizing that there's no more souls entering their domains, like they're going to eventually realize like what's happening here. Where are like all these subjects of ours and stuff? So they're going to come looking for answers. And again, the world does not want that. So is it ever explained like what causes the zombie outbreak or is that something that just happens? It's down the road. But again, I will say, uh, I'm not explaining the how, but the why, okay. or rather maybe I'm not explaining the why, but the how is basically, like I said, since the souls are leaving the, the dead bodies, or rather, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, since the souls of the, the people who are dying are not being taken to the afterlife, for whatever reason, the undead are being awakened. I can't say more than that, but yeah. No, I gotcha. So right here, we uh, this is where we get interesting dialogue too, and the uh, the name of the series too. So um, she asks two questions: uh, What are the Supreme One's purpose, and how long do they have until Ragnarok? And we find out that Ragnarok is going to happen in twenty four hours. So I was like, wow, you know, your your idea for the the twenty the hour twenty four, you know, that's that's where it sprung. I loved how it was kind of you know we we talked about it. When we first chatted but it was it was officially revealed in issue two that was really cool yeah issue two like i said is the issue of big reveals and when we start getting some action because again the first one is a big setup but we don't know why there's a 24-hour gimmick yet or any of that we find that out here finally 
and then yeah right here oh 24 hours that's all <laughs> so uh yeah, we like see... the line like oh stopping two gods from destroying the world in 24 hours yeah 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 <laughs> and so we see her go back in uh to the bar and uh of course uh he <laughs> the, the person uh, who was supposed to stay has taken off and ran um and i love this too because he was basically like you know you're calling me a wuss and and all this like what did you expect me to do so uh yeah she crumbles up the paper she's like i'm gonna enjoy taking a soul after all but uh there's still zombies all around her too so who yeah, are so these like, two that's the bartender and the waiter a waitress so like i said you know they uh ended up dying she couldn't claim their soul mm -hmm. uh not the plague but again since they're soulless for some reason their bodies are rising so they've risen and she's like oh now i gotta deal with you two huh and deal with them she does like holy crap she like gwen is is, is like experienced in in combat like she is a beast and this scythe is getting bloodier and bloodier with every swing she is throwing yeah i like uh how you did the panels how they're like kind of wavy you know erratic mm -hmm. and stuff that was pretty cool so right now we see uh her apologizing for what's happened to them and then this of course is so awesome too where she like makes him like put his uh chin on on the scythe and then she like heads them and like you so it's not like so graphic you see it just popping off into the shadow i love that yeah i uh i wanted it to look sort of samurai-ish where it was all shadowy but elton made the good call there where he was like not nah, just the head because you want to see the visual of gwen i was like <laughs> yeah good call first things first though and uh that's where we're left off with so yeah, what, that what, panel where you see like the sunrise, mm -hmm. I want to incorporate the whole time. Like I want people through the visuals be able to kind of tell the time. I mentioned it also in the dialogue, but yeah, I, I want the visuals to match the actual time so you can see the day going by and stuff. So what is it uh, like noon? Like what time is it right now? It's like 6.30. And, well, when she comes back to the bar, she says it's like 6.35. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's around that time. Like the sun's just rising. Obviously the next book is going to be seven you know so yeah all right and then right here some of the variant covers i'm assuming no that's actually just a pieces i commissioned from fellow artists just to have like a little thing in the back as oh extras, that's cool you know, see gwyn and other characters and other people's styles that's actually done by brendan albetsky who does marukiri destroy the moon you're going to interview him pretty soon <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> yeah anyway, you're, staying, awesome. you're staying uh, up to date on that i appreciate that Hey, I don't have the title for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so this is really cool too. This almost looks like a 3D rendering. Yeah, that was done by uh, Scarlet over on Insta. He's on Twitter too. But yeah, he did 3D renders. I was like, oh, that's cool to see kind of a human Gwen. Are we going to see Gwen with a freaking wolf? That's Cusip from issue one. He'll be back soon enough. Okay, yeah, yeah. Totally forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a... I'm introducing characters who you might not see every issue, but they'll pop in. And then this scene, uh, so this was the uh, the variant of them dancing, right? That's a different version. The variant's not included in the back of that okay. issue. The okay, variant's gotcha. the one where they're in the ballroom, yeah. I, it was either the ballroom scene or that one, but I kind of felt that the ballroom one was a bit better of a cover, and that would be cool as, like, the last little page, mm -hmm. you know? So right and here, yeah, that was done by Elton. Get a little breakdown of Edwin. Edwin is a writer who was born in New York and currently is living in Miami. Okay, Edwin. He always had yeah. dreams of being a writer and is finally getting to achieve those dreams when not writing edwin can be found partaking in other loves like music gaming watching movies tv shows taking his dog out or spending time with his friends and family 
Uh, of course, right here is all of the respective social media platforms. We have all of those linked in the description below as well. And then a special thanks. So I uh, I seen right here is uh, keeping it geekly. I was like, hell yeah, boy. Hell yeah, keeping it geekly, bro. You be supporting everybody. I'm sure your name's like in every book. You know, I'd like to think so. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what are we getting right here? What 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 is this? Uh, uh what's uh, to expect next? No, it's just a synopsis of the book. You know, for like one day where we're on the shelf and people can actually read or grab it and read the back or at cons. Okay, you know, okay so I, this is the back cons, cover. I tell people, yeah, I, I, at cons, I talk and tell them about what the story is. But like when like three or four people reach the table, I'm sometimes like, oh, yeah, you can read the back to find out what it's about. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's get back to our double camera right here. So after taking a look at our one what are we looking forward to with hour two? You know, what's next for you? Hour two? Well, you read the script, bro. You got the sneak peek. Uh, all I can say is the action is definitely going to go even harder. Uh, we're going to see the introduction of Sienna and, uh, Sienna and Sancho. They're going to be pretty cool. Gwyn is... Uh, hmm, without spoiling too much, Gwyn had some action in this first issue against zombies. Let's just say Gwyn is going to fight something that's not a zombie in okay. issue three okay uh i yeah i think i think uh issue one and two are amazing i think issue three is going to be the one to really suck people in all right let's go and are you working on any other projects or any other uh like anthologies or any other thing like outside of uh, lost between worlds no nah, man my whole focus is on lost between worlds <laughs> i've just been kind of trying to build the brand i got mm-hmm. a shirt now hold on um we got this one and then the title logo with just the green font there's that design too there people are going to get them as stickers you can find that at t public besides that i've been working on a motion comic for issue one i've got almost all the voices recorded i just need like three more characters but uh yeah that, Ooh, let me know if you need a voice phone. action i got you hey you're keeping a geekly cameo for sure bro <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, just uh, been working on that and just trying to promote the brand and do what I can. I, I feel like Lost Between Worlds can be a really big thing. I got a lot of things planned. I'm not saying we're going to be the next One Piece, Bleach, Naruto, or any of that. But uh, I think the world is so expansive and there's such a big ensemble of a cast that I'm building that I think we can we can be big. And yeah, dude, once, hell yeah. once the franchise is over, I definitely want to do more things. I have ideas, but I really want to just focus on this one series for now and just make it big. Oh, absolutely guardian andrew over on youtube stopping and say let's go and hell yeah welcome to the stream guardian how are you doing Ooh. uh edwin man this has been such an awesome uh awesome awesome interview it's always a pleasure getting you on i need to get you back on for hour two we need to make this the thing where we do each hour like that'd be so cool i would be down bro you know it dude that's, i always yeah. gotta keep defending my title <laughs> i love it uh, hit us with the title again it's such a good i i need to like, we're, we're gonna make this a thing i need to make a belt Bro, it's the Keeping It Geekly title. Like, just just put the belt, put like your Catman uh, logo on it or whatever. <laughs> Have the side plate say Keeping It Geekly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'll rep that. I still Dude. have that uh photo you photoshopped of me. I was about to post that earlier. I think I am going to post it. If anything, just be like, just defended the title. Come Dude, at let's me. Go. <laughs> well, guys, it is time for us to wrap things up. This has been an awesome time. Edwin, it's always a pleasure to get you on. I hope everyone is having a fantastic Monday. For everyone that is watching... Here is where you could read Hour Zero for free. So Hour Zero is basically, do you consider that like the the pre the prelude to this or? Yeah, it's like the prologue. I mean, it definitely is the start of the story, but it's the prologue to the whole 24 hour gimmick. 
No, I got you. Hell yeah, man. This is awesome. Edwin, thank you so much for coming on, breaking this down. It's I always love getting a chance to read the comic and then get your what you actually intended and your thoughts behind it. I think that it always makes for such an awesome time breaking down an awesome book with its creator. But it is time for me to wrap things up. I do have to finish the rest of the night off with my kids watching some movies that we picked out at the store earlier. So I'm excited for that. I'm sure you have to do the dad biz too, being a, a brand new father. Yeah, she's like crying in the room. Mom's pulling the duties <laughs> right now, but I can hear her crying. <laughs> dude, getting ready, dude. Uh, flawless, fa uh, flawless. Uh, what is it? Uh, fatality. Flawless victory. Flawless victory. Yeah. Dude, it's been yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure how long it's been since I played Mortal Kombat, huh? Bro, shame on you because you're just as old as me. <laughs> but yeah, guys, with that being said, we are going to be wrapping it up. I hope you had a fantastic Monday night. But most importantly, guys, keep it geekly.